Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Living Liberal with Molly B. And today's episode is going to be about the civil rights movement of the 1960s and 70s and the civil rights movement of today and how they really correlate. We have uh, three special guests today. Dennis and Mary Jean Reinhardt and my mom, Diane Blankenship. And they're going to talk about their involvement in the 60s civil rights movement and how they're um, getting involved in today's Black Lives Matter movement and um, how the civil rights of the 60s correlates to what is going on today. And, um, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and how we can kind of really get ourselves involved, um, and, and what their hopes are for, uh, my generation and the generations behind me, um, can be involved and what they hope we can do for the future. All right, so we're going to start with the first question and um, tell us how you became open-minded, how you became a civil rights activist, what were things that happened in your guys' lives for you to become open-minded to the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s? Okay, um, I grew up without a lot of contact with people of other races and ethnic backgrounds um, but I was raised in a, uh, a situation where I was in poverty for a while. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of led me to have some empathy for people that kind of face similar situation. But as far as having contact with a lot of people that were different than me, I didn't. Uh, but my family kind of raised me to have empathy for other people. Um, it, we were taught that it was wrong to be selfish even though that we didn't have much. Mm-hmm. Okay? We were taught that. When I went to high school, it was a rural southeastern Ohio high school, there were not people of color. There were no other uh, ethnic groups, races. Uh, it was um, kind of a conservative and sheltered background. But when I went to college, I was for the first time exposed to people that were different than me. And uh, in a way, it was kind of some kind of a shock to me because of the difference in political thought and, you know, seeing these people in my classrooms and sometimes having to work in a group with people in a class and those sorts of things. So it began to kind of change my mind about things. And I think I would have been a completely different person if I would not have had that experience of um, going to college. Um, my family was always democratic, um, mainly because they were blue-collar people that were always living on the edge of poverty. And um, I grew up with the Democratic Party being basically the, the party that I wanted to be part of. As far as being <coughs> concerned, myself being a, a liberal, I think I balanced between um, liberal thought and moderate thought. Okay. Um, 
but I would have to say that it was college that really, uh, really shaped my thinking. Um, and like I said, I would not be the same person if I wouldn't have had a liberal college education. Yeah. Mary Jean, what was your experiences growing up and becoming the thought process of, of who you are today? Mine was very similar to Dennis's in, in many ways. Um, I think my first uh, exposure to different cultural thought was in college. <clears throat> and I was in college in the early 70s, and we had Black Panther um, representatives standing on top of the roof of our gym. And, you know, we were in the middle of Vietnam protests and civil rights protests and it all just kind of blended together into a more open-minded kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. What about you, Diane? Well, I grew up in West Virginia and um, we did have, um, when I was in high school especially, we had uh, people from di different ethnic backgrounds. Um, I'm like Mary Jean, it was in the, you know, I was in college in like 71, starting there. But I was only, my high school was only about, you know, two or three blocks from Marshall University. And so mm -hmm. there were a lot of protests about the Vietnam War. Now, my parents were very conservative. My parents were Republican. Um, the first president I voted for was Richard Nixon. So <laughs> mistake number one. <laughs> but, um, and, my, and my thinking was, well, first of all, my family was very um, open about the civil rights movement. There was always talk at the table about how unfair that was and, and all the visions that we saw on television of dogs, you know, attacking blacks and not being allowed to sit at a table or use the restroom. So I saw that and talked about that with my family growing up. But like Mary Jane Dennis, it was college. It was college that gave me, especially this class I had called social problems. You know, I thought you were poor because you were lazy or you didn't want to work. I didn't realize all of the other stuff that goes into social problems. And so my thoughts became different when I got a different perspective, especially when I went to college. Yeah. Um, so with that and seeing a lot of those protests, especially um, mom living in, in Huntington with Marshall down literally in the same town you grew up in, um, what were your thoughts and what were your guys' roles during the heart of the civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s? Like, did you guys participate? Did you guys, well, what were you willing to do? What I think in the, the 60s, I was, you know, young. I graduated yeah. in 71. So as far as a protest or anything like that, I wasn't involved in anything like that. But my feelings concerning civil rights have always been that way. I would have thought now that I'm 68, that we would not, we would not still be fighting that fight. We would still not have to be marching and saying Black Lives Matter. I thought that we had made progress, and I guess we have made some progress, but we certainly haven't made enough, and yeah. that's disappointing. Yeah. Dennis and Mary Jean, what I, were your guys's? I was really young, but one of my first memories of it was in the 60s when Martin Luther King was murdered and mm -hmm. the rioting that happened and seeing it on the news and uh, my family and others that didn't completely understand what was going on, there was an air of fear at that time. 
is when mm -hmm. they saw things. They saw things as being out of control. I didn't understand it. I could just pick up on that. Mm -hmm. And even through the 70s, I was too, too young. But what happened with me, when I became a social studies teacher, and I began teaching about the civil rights movement, it was also educating myself about it. Mm -hmm. And I became more interested in it and saw things that I wouldn't have understood my younger self would have understood mm -hmm. those things and it, it, it helped me to teach the kids and um, you know I tried to make an effort to do that and that's how I became educated and I learned about the effectiveness of their methods and what they did and, and I took an interest in that and I saw how powerful things like boycotts and sit-ins and peaceful demonstrations and marching could be to bring things to people's attention and even civil disobedience. So to me, you know, like uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, kneeling, I understood mm -hmm. that that's civil disobedience and it's mm -hmm. bringing attention to a problem. So it was hard for me to understand when people all of a sudden they just went to it being disrespectful of the truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe later on we can talk about this, but, you know, the, the lack of education about something makes people susceptible to unscrupulous uh, politicians that want to, you know, make it that. And uh, so I could understand, hey, you do civil disobedience because it makes people uncomfortable or it would not be effective. And right. I understood that. So I didn't see it as some people around here would see it. Mm -hmm. I knew it was a tool. I knew it was a tactic. And uh, that helped me to do that. What about you, Mary Jean? What were your roles and what you felt like you could do during the, the civil rights movement? I was never really physically active in the uh, in the movements. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think I just came to understand racial culture in baby steps. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I was young we had a, a black uh, house cleaner, keeper, and I would, you know, I had this sort of benign sympathy for her you know it's sort of like not like a pet but then mm -hmm. he was it was gracious of me to accept her you know as a, another person mm -hmm. and then it kind of wobbled back and forth uh, you know you couldn't help but admire Martin Luther King but then the violent protests and the burning and the looting I found that really intimidating mm -hmm. but then when things settled you know it, and then the, the next time some, uh, some sort of civil uh, disobedience happened then I felt more open and positive again. And it was just baby steps back and forth between fear and, um, you know, being open and uh, honest. Um, do you guys think that you would have done things differently now that you're older back then? Like if you could have been a little bit older during that time, would you guys have done things differently? I think knowing what I know now, if I knew what I know now, I would have then, done things differently. Yeah. I couldn't say, you know, I would if I would have been older then, you know, because mm -hmm. it was just through experience and it was a long process for me. Right. You know, it wasn't like I just all of a sudden I felt like I wanted to be part of a movement, you know. Mm -hmm. I had to come to some sort of understanding and sympathy for the plight of other people. Yeah. So I can't say I would. I mean, I had to have those experiences. I had to have what happened to me in college to be to, the person that I am to, to be. To get where you are today. today. Yeah. I always felt like that I um, 
I wanted to go. Um, we didn't have a lot of uh, racial protests in Huntington where I grew up, but Vietnam we did because mm -hmm. Marshall was close there, and I I was drawn to that. I wanted to go down there and protest, but I was a senior in high school. My parents weren't going to let me. Mm -hmm. but I I wanted to be a part of that. I could. That was the beginning of feeling like that there was injustice in the world and that things weren't always black and white, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that that just because the government said it was this way was not the truth. It was the beginning of when I started questioning the government and society as a whole. Yeah. And she would say, uh, she sent me a message, your posts on Facebook have not gone, gone unnoticed. Mm -hmm. uh, because, she, you know, obviously she's a biracial young person too. But it isn't because of my granddaughter that I am involved in this. Right. This, this was me a long time ago. Um, the unfairness. You know, I, I can remember, you know, if you were black and you went in a store, you got followed. Right. You know, that's hard to imagine. I mean, it's not, it's nothing about you that looks suspicious except the color of your skin. And, and that was before I even had my granddaughter. So that's, that's nothing new. I just wish we were further along. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that, actually, that was uh, one of my questions that I was going to ask was um, the fact of, you know, do you think or did you think at that time that, we would have been further along now in 2021 when you were experiencing this as a young person, no matter if you were 10 or, or, you know, a senior in high school or, we or in were, college. I wish we were further along. Yeah. Did you think then that we would be further along now with your children being, you know, adults, adult children? I, I think that the next generation maybe, but that's what I kept saying all along. The next yes. generation will be better. better. The next generation will be better. And with each generation, I think it has gotten better. But there are still a lot of, of bigotry out there for all kinds of races. Well, I, I think a lot of it has to do with economics and um, people around here, for example, feeling that they have not had a fair shake, mm -hmm. that they've been left behind. So they're angry and they're looking for answers. And people tap into that, mm -hmm. okay? And politicians use that anger. Right. And um, it's real easy to scapegoat to blame someone for your problems and at the same time, you know, you have this widening gap of uh, wealth, you know, and people feel that they're being left behind here. So it's real hard for them to be sympathetic because of that, because they see their life as being crap, a lot of them. And somebody's causing their life to be crap. Mm -hmm. They don't know who it is. So it's very easy to say, you know, I'm going to take care of my own. I'm going to take care of myself. Right. That's why it's difficult for them to understand what privilege is. They don't understand. They equate privilege with work or the material things that I have, mm -hmm. and I've worked really hard for it. And so they get angry when someone says, you don't understand because of privilege. 
and they don't understand that they have the privilege of their nine-year-old child being able to go to a playground and play with a toy gun without being killed. Right. They, or they don't understand that's privilege. Yeah, or going like we said earlier, going into a grocery store not being followed, uh, being able to be pulled over in a routine traffic stop and not get shot and killed, and absolutely. Well, I always remember the story that Beth, mm-hmm. your sister, yep, told us when she was at Marshall that her and her friend were with these two black guys and they got pulled over, and Beth was in the front seat and Whole she immediately one. went. To get in the glove compartment, like we all do, to get your, you know, your registration and your insurance. insurance. And and the young black man that was driving said, "What are you doing?" And she told him, and he said, "Put your hands on the dashboard." On the dashboard, Beth. You know, and she goes, "Wait, I'm just getting this out." And he's going, "Put your hands on the dashboard." Don't move. And that was her first experience of what it must be like. The different be, worlds between. Yeah, you know, and that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Got 25 years ago. You know, that's sad. You know, that's something that we've never experienced in our life. And she experienced that, you know, and she said it was disturbing and it was, you know, like unreal. You know, that. And that was her first experience at 18, 19 years old, where everybody, a lot of people of color are experiencing this from day one of their lives. Right. That they have to have that conversation and that talk of, you know, this is what you do when we've never, you've never had to have that conversation with us to say, this is what you do when you get pulled over. This is what you do to not get shot, to not get killed when you're walking down the street in a hoodie in your neighborhood, yeah, coming bad. back from a convenience store, yeah, you know, yeah, that's great. Um, Again, it's ignorance too, because, um, people do not understand the black lives matter. Mm-hmm. Movement and it's it's a combination of ignorance and this combination of self centeredness and not having anything like that going on in your life and not knowing about it. So right, you know, they come out with a all lives matter, police lives matter. Yes, mm-hmm. all lives matter, and we certainly don't want to see policemen, you know, killed in the line of duty. We don't want to see people murdered. But what they what they don't understand is, you know, the Black Lives Matter means that somehow this person's life is not worth as much as another person's life. This child's life is expendable where a white child's life is not. It's a tragedy. It's this child's guilt. Somehow they're less of a person. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to say this person's life matters as much as your life. But they don't see that, see? So then, you know, they resist, they get angered because they don't understand and they don't take the time to understand right. what it means. Can I throw in something yes. positive? It, yeah. probably the biggest strides, I think, in uh, you know, total black acceptance um, it has come in the two areas of sports and entertainment. And if you think what's happened in the last 10 years, uh, you know, fashion styles, ways of talking, types of humor, mm-hmm. um, all those things have been accepted, and you know, music, of course, is just uh, a great equalizer where a lot of talented people, no matter what color, uh, can be recognized, impact, mm-hmm. right? And sports, the same way. When they started um, having black players in baseball in 1940s, was it? Those mm-hmm. black players could not stay in the same hotel or hotel as their white teammates, so they had to leave the building and go somewhere else, and you know, definitely those. Those days are 
Right. So strides have been made. Yes, yeah. they have been made. I just wish we were further colorblind. The thing, I don't yeah. Know. yeah, the thing that really surprises me, and I find it so alarming, is the rise of white supremacists and neo-Nazis and militias being so emboldened right. to come out into the open. Yes. And if you would have asked me 10 years ago if I thought that would have happened, I wouldn't have thought that it happened. And again, it's, it, it's, all, it's all related mm -hmm. because people are convinced there's something to fear, that it's going to change their whole way of life, that it's going to be taken away. And again, I'm going to go back, politicians, you know, just pounding the drum with this fear mm -hmm. that it's easy to find recruits for these people. You know, and that is the most alarming thing to me. Yes. You know, white supremacist militia, neo-Nazi militia, those people. And it's counteracting the the movement of making uh, minorities equal to somebody that's white. You know, that their equal civil rights are kind of being pushed back again. It's, you know, 10 steps, 10 steps forward, 12 steps yeah. back type of situation. So, um, yeah. And speaking of that, so what, what are our thoughts with, you know, the, the voting rights still being such an issue even now, you know, what it's not a separate issue. No, it, no, no it's, but it's what I'm such is, a big issue. Why yeah, is it still such I'm a big is, issue and voter suppression? It's all related to democracy. It's all related to having an inclusive democracy. Mm -hmm. It's all an attack on democracy. Um, it, it, it's all part of the same thing. You know, they deny voting rights to manipulate and control the outcome of elections. Mm -hmm. And it's an attempt by a minority to impose their values on others and to retain power and control to the exclusion of democracy. And minority voters are just easier targets. And the whole thing is interconnected. It, it really is. And it's, it's like we can convince these groups of people that there's a danger if these minority people get too powerful, if we bring immigrants of color into the country, then we're going to lose our way of life. So people are more apt to go along with voter suppression. They're, they're going to come up with reasons for it. Um, and you've got an upper level of people, they just want control and power. Mm -hmm. You've got this lower level of people, and it's easy to convince them that the um, people of color are danger, there's something to be feared. So therefore, you go along with what we're going to do. And it, it, it's all related to, do you want to have an inclusive democracy? You know, do you want to abide by what are the, you know, the values of our country? You know, do you want to work for people being treated equally in this country? Okay. And but the good news to that is it's becoming... First of all, you can't believe it's still going on in such a blatant way. Right. That's unreal. Yeah. But it's also becoming more publicly uh, known what a, a rotten thing it is. And you have more public um, uh, interference with it. And an You've outcry. Got, and economics has a lot to do with it. You've got Coca-Cola. You've got mm -hmm. Delta, you know, airlines. Yep. They are standing up saying, you just can't do this. Right. And I think we've seen this happening in the last four or five years because when 
people just were complacent mm -hmm. and they sat back and you just think everything is going to be okay and all, all of a sudden we are going backwards mm -hmm. then the, then the majority of the people say I've got to get involved mm -hmm. you know corporations have to get involved people have to get involved and say their point otherwise you're going to get taken over by the fear and, Again. and all of those things so you can't just and I think that's why we had great voter turnout mm -hmm. people didn't like what they were seeing, mm -hmm. but they had stepped back from yeah, the scene, right. yeah. and now they've come back and they said, whoa, 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 i got to get involved because I'm not liking where this is going. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back. When you look at it, it, it like you said, it, it's voter participation. When you look at how many people actually vote that could vote, um, that is it's just disappointing, mm -hmm. and that allows 35%, around 35% of the people, to control the direction of this country, oh, and in negative ways, mm -hmm. you know, because we don't, you know, and I, I find such apathy from people, and it, and it really bothers me, people that live around here, well, I'm not voting, I'm not going to vote because I don't like the candidates, or you know, I don't like this. And they believe it doesn't affect their life, and it does. It does. Mm -hmm. and it does. That's what we've seen. That's why mm -hmm. people came out. This is affecting our lives. And I think we have to give Donald Trump credit for that. Yes. Because the horrors that we saw during his... Four-year... Yeah, and, and the repercussions that we're going to be suffering for years. It yeah. at least made people wake up and say, we cannot let this happen. That gave me hope. Yeah. <clears throat> that yeah. gave me hope. Yeah. Yeah. That, that the ideas that I think we share are the ideas that hopefully the whole, the majority of the people share. But 70 million people still voted for things that you could say lead to racist. Yes. Yeah, rhetoric. Yes. And, yes. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and I, and I try to tell people this. They think that they can separate themselves from the racial issues by I, I'm supporting this because of abortion or I'm doing this. But they don't know that they're standing shoulder to shoulder with white supremacists because they find, you know, common cause in the rhetoric. So you are part of it. Mm -hmm. By just supporting a part of it and electing people that support these policies like voter suppression and things, you are part of it. You cannot separate yourself from the whole. No, no. you can't. You can't. You can't. They don't understand that. Or they don't right. want to understand it. One or the other. And by not voting, it makes it worse. That's what the those people want is for you mm -hmm. to not vote. Yeah, it, it, it's to their advantage for fewer people to yeah. participate in democracy. Yeah. And that's why they want to attack minorities and not allow them to vote or find ways to keep it difficult for them to vote. Right. Yeah, that's really sad. And that's, that's another thing that's been a problem that I like to hope wouldn't be, mm -hmm. you know, that we couldn't go back, that we wouldn't go back. Mm -hmm. We have gone back. It but, is, it, but it's what you, you said because people became complacent. Yes. People yes. felt that somebody else would take care of it for them. Mm -hmm. That they didn't have to be involved. And that's what happens, you know. And, and that's what I meant about it being related. It's related to our democracy, mm -hmm. the entire thing. It all fits together. It really does. Well, the, the biggest disappointment to me was, of course, the, the rights of the Capitol. Oh. I mean, if that isn't an example of the difference between white protesters and black protesters, you know, they had no police, 
they had very little police there, and they got policemen killed. And I mean, it, that is the worst thing I think that could happen to this country is seeing these people inside our going after this. It's just unbelievable, and no outrage. Right. A lot of people without any outrage. Yeah. I mean, that's treason. We don't treason. even believe that it happened. Yes. Yeah. That's treason. See, that's that's another thing that you know you're trying to get a message out. But how do you get a message out to somebody that lives in a filter bubble? Exactly. That believes everything is fine as far as yes. other people, other citizens, of their color or whatever, and what they're going through, because they don't believe it. Right. You know, I've had people with, that I've talked with, you know, put stuff on social media that I, I'm just like, you know, don't don't believe everything you see. It's not happening. You know, well, it, is, it is happening. You right, know? right. But they they want to tell you that, or they they want to ignore it. They think you know, it's like you said: if you don't vote, if you think you can look the other way, and it's not going to affect your life, that I can be in Jackson, Ohio, and it's not going to affect me. Well, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect your children. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you think about Nazi Germany, and and you think, how could that have happened? Yes. How could people have stood by? And watched their neighbor get taken away, and and not do anything, or gassing people, or you know that is when I saw that, you know when you see what's happening in America, you start to think, are we heading in that direction? I mean, people don't want to get involved, or they don't believe what they're saying. Oh, they're just taking those Jewish people to another part of the country. They're not executing them or whatever. You know, I mean, it's just. Unbelievable. And, and to not even think that just that was not okay either, you know, of taking them out of their homes. Right, right. You know, and taking them out of your neighborhoods. Because and, it wasn't me. Yeah, right. It's not me. Yeah, but it, it happens. It, it happens gradually. Yes. Right. It, it, and nobody reflects on the 1920s and 30s in Germany. And you can just draw so many parallels. Yeah. For mm -hmm. example, the, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers that were there on January 6th really aren't much different than the Nazi brown shirts. Mm -hmm. And that was yeah. their job to disrupt the gatherings of political opponents, um, to fight in the streets, to, to do all these things. And there's just so many parallels. There is. And, you know, when you're talking about the difference between how people were treated during the Black Lives Matter movement and how they were treated on January 6th, Trump called for the use of the regular military against American citizens in the streets. And there was a lot of backlash from former generals and admirals and stuff saying, that's not how we do it in the United States. Right. And Tom Cotton, he called for the use of the 101st and 82nd Airborne, you know, and Trump clearing out people in front of a church yes. using chemical agents on them and militarized people so he could do a photo op holding up a Bible at a church he doesn't even go to. And then you go to January 6th and the people that were in charge of protecting the Capitol were told you have to be careful how you're using force because of the visual optics of it. That you see force being used against white supporters of the former president that that should be different than what happened during the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, and you see that, and, and it just brings to light the injustice that is there. It's the same as these mass shootings. 
Mm -hmm. White men being allowed to walk away from a mass shooting and surrender. Yes. You know, and a black man being shot for, you know, a pack of cigarettes or something, you know, stealing a pack of cigarettes. You know, it, it just shows you the difference in how the law treats people differently. And this may be way out on a limb, too. And, and I have no proof of this. It's just an opinion on mine. I wonder how much um, white supremacists have infiltrated police departments oh, I, and oh. the military. I'm sure that they represent uh, a representation of, of our population. Obviously, there are people in the population that, that share those views. Um, and I think, you know, just like to be a teacher, you, you kind of have a certain personality type, you know, that you're caring and giving and I don't know. There's just mm -hmm. difference. You know, somebody said I can never be a teacher. And then I think there's a personality type for police officers. And I don't think that asking for police reform is anything negative about the police. We all have to you keep pace with things like teaching is certainly not the same as when we first started teaching yeah but you're all Just held to a standard yes and yes if you don't and meet that standard exactly as a teacher. exactly yeah. yep and you know so to suggest that they need you know some reform in their tactics doesn't mean that you're a police hater or right. that you have to say you know what about you know because i'll see people they want to post these things about do you like a policeman yes but just because i don't think that somebody ought to stand on somebody's neck for nine and a half minutes, minutes, yeah. That I don't like policemen. That particular action, I didn't like. So you don't need to tell me that I need to support police. I do support the police. Yeah, and I. But don't dismiss what I'm saying about that's not okay. Right. And I have read that um, militia groups and white supremacist groups have encouraged people to join the military, so they can gain experience, military experience, then bring it back to them. And some of those people, former military guys, do join police departments. Mm -hmm. And so you've got that possible situation, you know, how do you get rid of these people, you know, that are in the military that are like that, that are in police departments that are like that. Because they, they are not only a danger to um, minorities and African American people, they are a danger to us. They are a danger to our democratic republic. Well, it yeah. showed on um, January yes. 6th. Yes. Yep. There's, there's, you know, and I think that's what's most disappointing is that when you think that we've come further, you would think that through education that those things would start to fade away. You know, with, through education you would you would know that, that white supremacy is, is not okay. I mean, you would think through education you would... But, it doesn't, and seem that's, to be, doesn't seem to be the case. And, you know, and that's kind of the thing that even, you know, Dad would say, that it was been dumbing down of America, that yes. that's where a lot of these people realize that to keep white supremacy around, you have to start not educating people oh, yeah. and not making um, universities and colleges um, affordable and, and or free and educating people because that's where you guys have all said this, that... You know your viewpoints have changed um, once you got to college. Once you got to college, and once you started experiencing, um, you know, other ethnicities and other in having diversity in your life, that you started to realize, okay, this is this is good. This is great. This is you know what we need. This is, we can learn from each other. We can, you know, become better people and and 
you know, help bring people out of poverty and, you know, help with their civil rights and to, you know, make the playing field equal. That's where it is, is, is education. And, you know, once they started dismantling the public education and dumbing down America, this is, yeah, like you said, slowly but surely it's dismantling what is going to bring people out of that's true, but once again, I go back to the, the popular culture element. For example, um, if you pay any attention at all, you will notice that many, many, many commercials have mixed-race couples. Yes. yes. I mean, it's yes. almost a cliche. Yeah. And when you think about that, a lar- if a large number of people are, are dealing with that, if these companies decide that's the best way to reach the public, mm-hmm. then that's definitely an idea that is... It's being accepted and spread slowly. Mm-hmm. It's going to sneak into the consciousness. Well, I think a lot of those companies, too, are starting to realize that that's what makes up America. Mm-hmm. It's starting to become more of the majority. Exactly. Yeah. And seeing that representation in commercials, in TV shows, in movies, in businesses. Well, and When we were growing up, the only black people we saw on television, they were either were made mm-hmm. or the bad guy, mm-hmm. you know? The Indian, which was portrayed right, as, exactly. the, as the bad guy. Yeah. And that, that's all we saw. And so whenever I was, you know, growing up, if I saw a black person, I'd be scared. Because I thought, what I saw on mm-hmm. TV, that must be true. That the black person is, is the bad guy. And so hopefully with what you're talking about, Mary Jean, all these different uh, portrayals uh, will help. Will help the young people. Help people see that, you know... I mean, if I hadn't gone to college, I'd still have those same views of my parents. And they were good people. They just didn't have life experiences either. Mm-hmm. And uh, that would be so disappointing to think that I wouldn't have gotten... I didn't get it in high school because I went to Catholic high school. And, you know, that you were taught a certain thing. You weren't taught other things to mm-hmm. think outside the box or whatever. So if I hadn't done the college thing, I, you know, I'd probably still be thinking the way they thought. You really think so? No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd like to think that I had, had grown, but I'm telling you that at social problems class, at all those classes I had at Marshall, that's the one that made me start thinking that things were not just black and white. You know what I mean? It wasn't just you were poor because you didn't work, or a woman got paid less because she wasn't worth as much. You know, she should be taking care of the kids or whatever. You know, it was, I just started to get a different. Maybe I would have gotten that view anyway. I think you would have come to that realization on your... Yeah, maybe. Probably a little bit later, but, yeah. Probably more slowly, but... Right. Yeah. You know. You know, I... I I, Because you're open to it, that's why. Yes. Well, you're probably right. Some people just are so convinced that... You know, when you think about America, we've done some bad things in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, we've done a lot of bad things to a lot of people. So, am I proud to be an American? Yes. Am I glad I live in America? Yes, but I, I think it's perfect. No, I don't think my family's perfect. I don't think America's perfect. Well, I don't think yeah. it was ever meant to be, this is the way it is. I think it was always meant to be a work in progress. Absolutely, right. yes. And yeah. I think it was always, you know, when they talked about a more perfect union. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what you were trying to do. That was the goal that was intended. That you recognize what you've done and it wasn't right. So you have a country, and again, this is why it's important, the protection of a democratic republic. You have the opportunity to make those changes. Because what some people want is because they're so afraid 
is they want protection. Mm -hmm. They want someone to say, I will protect you, and I'm willing to give up what we have right now to do that. Protect me from these minority people. Protect me from these immigrants. I'm quite willing to give up my democracy in order to do that. And that's a big danger. Yeah. Very, very dangerous. Yeah. Yes. I always like, have you guys ever seen the movie, um, The American President, Rob Reiner's The American President from the 90s? Oh my gosh. Okay. You got to watch it because there's a a big speech that Michael Douglas does at the end because he's the main character and he's the American president. Anyway, you got to watch it. There's this big spiel at the end that, that he talks about being um, like democracy and voting and that you've got to want it bad and you've got to participate and you got to participate all the time. And that you can't, and it, it just go, you, you've got to watch it because it's a really great spiel, like a five minute speech at the end. And, um, but it, I always kind of go back to that, that it go that, you know, he makes this speech about, you know, being a participant, a participant in democracy and that you have to do it all the time. And it's not just a one-time deal and that you always have to make it better. And um, for you to want to have that democracy, you've got to constantly, constantly participate and let everybody participate to make it better. Yeah, it goes back to history, too. Um, how history is written. Like, when they wanted to get mm-hmm. rid of the um, project that would recognize, you know, the, the extent of slavery in the United States, the backlash from those people and from Trump was... You want to, you know, make us look bad. You want our country to look bad. It's, it, it's all negative and that stuff. Well, it already looks bad. If yeah, you, if mean, you talk to a lot of your other friends and people that are from, like, other countries, yes. we look like shit. Like, we're not. We, yeah, anyway, go ahead. Because if you, we look bad. Do, if you don't do that, all it is is a fairy tale. Yeah. It's what you want it to look like, not what it was. You know? Yeah. And... You know, it, it's just so important that you do that, that you recognize your mistakes, that you just keep working to just say, oh, you're not a patriotic American because you just want to run our country down. Mm-hmm. No, it's, you want to make your country better. Right. That's right. Key. You know, that's the, the greatest patriots are the ones that want to make their country better. Yeah. You know, there, there are people that, and I've said this before, there are people that just want symbolism over substance. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, that, you know, walk across the stage and hug an American yes, flag. Yes, yes, That yeah. I'm a great patriot, or I'm driving my pickup truck and I've got this flag <laughs> waving off. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That, that, that makes me a better patriot. Yeah. And, and some of the people that they uh, attack, um, you know, these people are working for racial justice. Uh, you know, they're working to make it a more inclusive democracy. Mm-hmm. They paint them as being radical. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and the, the people that attacked the Capitol on January 6th, they are radicals. They're radicalized. Yes. Just yes. the same yes. as an overseas terrorist is radicalized. Yep. They've been radicalized by the same methods. Yep. yep. You know, it's the same and, thing. And the, the lack of outrage is outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. I just... I think when, like, I look back on, on all the things, that, and being an, um, an adult in my late 30s now, that, you know, I look back growing up, 
Mom, we, we always watched, we always had a lot of diversity in the shows that we even watched. We watched The Golden Girls. We watched 227. We watched Amen. We had Fresh Prince Bel-Air and Living Collar, uh, Living Single. Like, there were always that, and um, The American Girl with Margaret Cho. There was always the diversity just in the shows. And I always remember, and I always tell people this too when we have these conversations of civil rights and Black Lives Matter and it wasn't necessarily that you and dad ever had that conversation with us, but it was the conversation that you had with each other when we were around watching the nightly news and letting us sit there and watch it with you and having, um, you know, uh, meet the press on, on Sunday mornings and those political shows and, um, just having that adult conversation while we were around, I think helped me realize that diversity is a good thing. And, I had a student once <laughs> tell me, she was a junior, you know. said that she had never heard of the Holocaust until, until, until she was assigned to read Anne Frank. And I'm thinking to myself, I find that hard to believe, first of all, in school, you get to 11th grade, you never done the Holocaust. But I also was surprised to think, as a family, that that had never been discussed. You know, I mean, there has mm -hmm. to have been some time you have a conversation about history or whatever, that that conversation happens. But understand, there are some families there's not even a book. No, nope. that's right. Right. Um, there's just this daily grind of trying to exist. Yeah. And have survive. Immediate gratifications, and then the next day comes. Right. They and to do it all go, over they again. They don't go deeper into anything like that. You know. Well, that's what they always say with, you know, speaking of, you know, like police reform and having better methods of, of doing their job, you know, with teaching and professional development, you know, with the reading programs we have at the elementary level, they all say, you know, the difference between somebody coming from a family that doesn't talk to each other or is less educated compared to a family that has conversations with their kids and the vocabulary that the kids come into school at five in kindergarten is massive like the amount of vocabulary that i would have come in to kindergarten would have been i would have had five thousand more words than a kid who came from a family who doesn't talk to their kids right. and talk with their kids where those kids may have you're lucky enough if they know two to three hundred words let that's part of their vocabulary let alone knowing how to read it you know where somebody like myself would have come from a edu educated family and we could have had you know, thousands of words already part of our conversation, let alone being able to read them. That has a lot to do with, with that too. But you're also, you know, you know you're, as a school teacher, you're also fighting, you're up against this. Two things that happened in this community in 2000, uh, one of the teachers and one of the guys I coached with was teaching world history. So he had to teach about the great religions of the world. Mm -hmm. So one of the things he was teaching about was Islam. I remember this. I was at a school board meeting the night that a parent came in and complained about teaching about Islam that this teacher was trying to convert the kids to Islam, which the whole purpose is to have kids have more understanding about other people and other cultures because that helps us get along together. Right. You know? Yeah. And, but the, a parent from the community and several parents, and then you talk about how people go wild on social media. There was a Wellston forum, and these guys were talking about how the teachers in Jackson were trying to convert the kids to be Muslims and everything. And it was part of the curriculum 
that you teach about the great religions of the world, well, so I, you understand that. You and know. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, that was not too long after 9-11. Yeah. Am I right? And so, but you know, so then you have people, and myself included, what is Islam? You know, I mean, I yeah. learned about it a little bit in our Catholic school, but it was a little bitty something, you know, and it didn't stick with me. And you know, so I think you have kids now, and, and asking their teachers, you know, what is Islam? What's a, what's a Muslim? What's a whatever? And knowledge does not make you that. I mean, knowledge doesn't, it's like if you want to learn what it's like to be gay, doesn't make you gay. Right. You know, or uh, you want to know what it's like to be a Baptist, doesn't mean you're going to be a Baptist. So, I mean, it's, it's knowledge doesn't hurt you. And you have to understand that millions and millions of people are Muslim Absolutely. in the world. <laughs> yes. You know, a good portion of the world's population is that. But yes. the number of people that are religious extremists is a minuscule amount. So they want to paint the entire yes. Muslim religion as being terrorist. And if you're living in southeastern Ohio, and this is another thing, the further you are from mm -hmm. something, whether it's what's going down on the border, you're a thousand miles away from that, you are more outraged by it than if you're living next to it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Or you know families. They mm -hmm. don't know anybody. Yeah. Right. You know, so again, you have ignorance come into it. The other thing that happened during my teaching career was when Obama was first elected and they were going to televise the inauguration on TV. Students brought in notes from their parents so they wouldn't have to watch the inauguration of an African-American man as president of the United States. That's amazing, isn't it? Is that... Well, I mean, they're the people that would say that, <laughs> they're, they're, big, that they're big patriotic people. Exactly. That, 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 that's just so astounding. Here yeah. you have the historical event of yes. an African-American man becoming president of the United States, and the principal went along with it, but they bring in notes, please excuse my child, they can go sit in the cafeteria so they don't have to watch a African-American man being sworn in as president of the United States. But yet they're the first ones to do that. To not let their kids watch it, right. you know they're they're big patriots, but they're the first <laughs> yeah. ones to be anti-patriotic. Yeah, you that know was just, that was just so incredible to me. There's so many. Yeah. There's been so many incredible things. The fact that you have a person running to be president of the United States making fun of a Vietnam John McCain. That I don't. I will never understand that. I I, I would. If he gave me $15,000 refund in tax money, I still could not support someone. Can you imagine if your son was held prisoner all those years and you have somebody that said he's not a war hero? I mean, I, I, you talk about unforgivable. Yeah. That to me is unforgivable. Unforgivable. He, yeah. he was, you know, you talk about Trump. Trump was not the cause of it. He was a symptom of it. Yes. But he also yeah. made it more... Uh, acceptable yes. for these people of to say what they want to say. Yeah, because I think where when we were talking about how people got to be um, complacent with the progression that we, we got to be or where we have been, um, and that was the fact that because a lot of this had been kind of smoldered and not part of mainstream anymore, and then because where we became complacent then there was that, that opening, that, yeah, that opening yeah, yeah. to let this happen, you know, and I don't know who I was telling, I don't know if I was telling Kendall or Jordan or, or one of them, 
that I said that this was the first time that I voted for a white guy as president since 2004. And I thought, damn, that's pretty good. But then I thought, but then I thought, well, you know, like we had all this progression and then uh, progression, but then in 2016, look what happened. And uh, that's when I think it even hit me as a young person because I've been a little bit of a product of this progression of seeing, um, we thought we passed all that. yeah. And then, you know, I think that's another reason that, that Trump was able to come in is because there was so much that complacency. Well, there was so much, uh, so many people out there didn't like the fact that we had a black president for, for eight years. Yeah, and then we had a woman coming in, and, you know, and then the rest of us who had no problem with that people became complacent. We just thought, okay, we've had a black president, so we're making progress. Da, 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 da. And all of a sudden, and then we have a, you know, a, a woman on one of the major tickets and big time legitimately won it, but not enough people voted in those swing states, in those right states like Pennsylvania, Michigan, Ohio, Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's what caused what we've had for the past, you know, several years. Yeah. And But again, there's, there's a reason for anger. And I think so much of that anger can go back to the economic mm-hmm. gap that's widening. Yep. And those people are fertile ground. Yeah, they are. For, mm. you know, saying that these people over here are the cause of your problem. Yeah. You know, yeah. and because they will simple, vote against their own interests. Over they, that. Yes, that's every that's time. A, that's a simple explanation and, and lack of education. You know, they don't think, it, it's, it's easy to blame somebody else. Mm-hmm. You don't have to think of the larger picture. They don't want to think in a complex. No. They want someone to come to them and say, I will fix it for you. Yes. I, there is a simple solution to yes. it. Yes. When there's not a simple solution there is not. to it. Yeah. It's a complex problem. But they want that. They don't want to have to focus in on that. You know, they don't, don't have the attention to do that. And for the greater good. driven past uh, of falling down trailers and, you know, these just piece of crap houses and they've got a big Trump flag on the side. What's Trump done for them? Nothing. Nothing. We but hate they, it out they, food. Boy, that's, that's tough. You know, mm-hmm. they eat, eat, drain the swamp. Yes, sir, he's taking care of us. Well, we handed out a food distribution to help the Southeastern Ohio Food Bank do that mm-hmm. in Benton County. And there's almost 200 cars. One of the cars that's going by, barely running, the people you tell they had nothing, painted across the back of their back window was support for, you know, Trump 2020. These people can't eat. I know. They don't have enough. You know, but yet they still will vote against their own interests. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we all have things in common, there, there, there are things we all want for our family. There are things we all need. And if those could come to the forefront, you know, I mean, but they're not. Right. It, it, you know, we talked about it. It's better for them to have fewer people vote. It's better for them to keep people divided, and people don't understand that, yeah. you know. Well, the richest country in the world, and we have people who, who can't eat. Mm-hmm. We have... In this county. In this county. Children. Yes. We have yeah. uh, health care that is so expensive, even mm-hmm. a person broken. who's a teacher. Mm-hmm. Has That's broken. Listen, you know, I even... One, one doctor, a disaster to yourself. And you're in debt twenty thousand bucks. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's and 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 that shouldn't be. And you don't see people from other countries no. coming here 
wanting our health care. No. I mean, you don't see them trying to come in from Germany and England and all those places uh, because they have socialized health care. Obviously, it works pretty darn good because they're not trying to come here. Well, you go back to, you know, people, and, and I just unfriended somebody that's a teacher down at the middle school because of this. You know, they want to look at these people in poverty getting things that they shouldn't be getting because they're lazy, whether they yes. be black, whether they be poor Appalachian white, or whatever. When they don't understand that we're giving millions and billions in corporate subsidies to yeah. fossil fuel companies and everybody else, compared to what some poor lady that's got four kids I know, it's is getting SNAP, you know, yeah. and, 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 and they want to complain about that. Right. That's, right. Like, that's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. But again, it's voting against your own self-interest. Right. You right. I have told Mary Jean this uh, not too long, well, during the election. And, you know, people that are Republican, they told me they vote the Republican ticket. So it doesn't matter if, you know, you make fun of the handicapped, it doesn't matter if you make fun of whatever, da 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 So uh, I thought, well, why are you a Democrat, Diane? And I started thinking, you know, and, and so I read the platform for both parties. And it's not an easy, fun read. I mean, it's, no. it's long, 69 pages each or whatever it was. And I read them. And, and I thought, I'm a Democrat. This is everything that I believe in. But I don't think a lot of people around here that are Republicans even know what it means to be a Republican. There was no, no. platform the last time. You know, so mm -mm. there you go. No. They did not have any platform. The only nope. platform right. was loyalty to him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Now, how frightening is that? Very frightening. Extremely frightening. That, that you can be so reactionary that the only important thing to you is anger and fear. Yes. Instead of, this is what we're going to do for you and your family. Right, right. right. You know, that that takes over then practical things that would make everybody's life better, you know? Mm -hmm. My sister was, uh, I know she still is a Repu Republican. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Trump was running, she was, well, maybe we could... A use of businessmen. And I was just thinking to myself, what we need is a leader. There's no, not one person, you know, it's not like we have a dictator, you know, <laughs> somewhat. But, you know, she was about this, this businessman. And of course, she's, you know, she has money. So that was a good thing for her, you know, lower taxes for the rich. But when COVID came, then the conversation and her feeling about him changed because now we needed a leader. Now we needed somebody to lead us and to help us and to, you know, not be all about himself, but, the, you know, what's best for the public. Then her mind changed. And I thought, well, see, <laughs> you were mistaken. You were only thinking financially about yourself and not what's happening, you know, to... to it goes back to that self, that self-centeredness. Yes. Yep. Which is at the root of a lot of problems. It is. Mm -hmm. Whether it's, you know... Um, racial justice, or whether it's taking care of people that are starving or yes. dying of sickness because they can't afford it's like I'm taking care of my own. Yes. You know, yes. and I can't explain it, but there is a real bad problem with it yep. right now. Self centeredness, self, you know. I know, it's really, really sad. It's like, like people that don't want to raise the minimum wage. And I realize that's a complex problem. Right. That's just, there, you don't wave a magic wand and that takes care of itself. But, you know, I wonder if they ever stop to think that if the minimum wage is $10 an hour, you can go in and work an eight-hour day and come home with $80 before, before taxes. Before taxes. 
eighty dollars. I mean. And they're I know. About people we've not got going to back to work. People in those situations. People not going back to work because of what they're getting on unemployment. Now, what does that tell you about the job they're working at? Yeah, that they can yeah. have a life that's more comfortable, maybe not the best, on unemployment. Because if they go back to work, they're going to be hurting. Yes, mm -hmm. they're going to be the working poor. If their yeah. money was yep. three hundred, if they're getting three hundred extra dollars a month on unemployment or a week on unemployment, you know that's not so they can take a trip. That's right. like, that's maybe to buy a, a, a better piece of meat, yeah. or maybe even to buy some meat, not or have to gas. eat ramen noodles or something. I mean, you yeah. know, that's that's yeah, that's just bizarre. And you're right, Mary Jean. There is no right answer because if there was in, in economics, there is no right answer. It's always your mm -hmm. beliefs or whatever. Somebody would have figured it out by now. These are complicated issues. Mm -hmm. But nobody should work eight or 40 hours a week and not be able to feed their family. Well, when they were yeah. talking about it, make America great, when you go back to the 1950s and you look at the tax rate on corporations and yep. well, wealthy people, you know. Wasn't that much higher than, than, yeah, than and, your and, working and person? People, you know, it's completely changed. You know, the, the tax rates have been cut. So you can't afford to do the things that you should be doing. Yeah, the CEO society you can't do it. Yeah, the CEOs of the time in the fifties weren't making that much more than the than the their workers in the factories, and then now it's you know they're making a thousand times more than what the their CEO, factory workers are making. Generations are paying zero taxes. I mean, yeah. Right, yeah, zero. Well, think of Trump bragged that he didn't pay any taxes. That's and everybody thought, oh, how clever. Yeah, they, and people that supported him, yes. they wanted to give him a pat on the back and say, he's a smart guy, that's why he wanted him as president. Do you realize that you pay higher taxes because he doesn't pay taxes? Right. Exactly. They don't that's get that's it. amazing, right. isn't it? They don't, just... they don't get it, you know. But if they want to truly take care of some of these problems, you know, and then they'll accuse you of being a socialist, you know, or right. a communist. But if you truly want to do this, you're going to have to restructure the tax rates mm -hmm. yeah. again. And again, that takes care of a lot of these other problems that people are outraged about. Yep. I, I, you know, well, and they use socialism or socialist as such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't understand their difference. They don't. Yes, they think you it's know. like communism. Yeah. Right. They think you know, it's authoritarian it's socialism or right. democratic socialism. Right, right, right. I remember when the... It was probably several years ago. It was about the time when insurance started to become totally unreasonable. Mm -hmm. And there was a lady on, it was on NBC, and she was their finance person. And she was talking about a family of four that made $50,000 a year, would pay $500 a month for insurance, and had a $15,000 deductible. And she thought that was doable. Oh. And I'm looking at the television, and I'm thinking to myself, have you ever tried to feed four people on $50,000 a year plus $500 a month for insurance and one illness, one illness could bankrupt you. I mean, you know, I mean, yep. where are you going to get $15,000 for, you know, a broken arm. hospital stay, <laughs> yeah. you know, or whatever, because that was your deductible. That's how unrealistic mm -hmm. someone could be. No, it's also, again, going back to privilege. It yes. Is. And yep. that's, that's the definition of privilege. You know, yep. In her life, she doesn't go do the same thing as people. You know, yep. that, that looks doable to her. <laughs> yep. I, I just thought that's the longest thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. I yep. just think that five hundred dollars a month, and that doesn't even cover your deductible. You got a big deductible. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, so you're paying for nothing unless you have a major catastrophic illness. Mm -hmm. But even then, you have eight thousand dollars is going to put you under. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people that complain about socialism don't even realize that we've lived in a mixed capitalist socialist economy since the early 1900s. Exactly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, the people that are complaining about it are the ones that are getting social security. Yes, and yes. Getting, that are getting the benefits of that. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it's a it's a trigger word. It's good. Yeah. It's, yep. it's good rally rhetoric. It's your talking like points. Radical left and your socialism and you know all this stuff. Those are those are push button trigger things yes. that they can say again and again and yeah. again and not have to really do anything of substance to help people. Yeah. Right. Keep them angry. You know. Yes. Keep them stirred up. Or scared. Yep. React to what other people are doing. And, and blaming you don't have to do anything yourself. Yeah, and blaming other people yeah. for their lot in life. Right. Yep. I, I have a friend who uh, we were discussing this, these same issues, and she was very defensive about Social Security. She said, I paid into that my whole life. Yeah. That is my money. And I'm like, yeah, that's fine, except what if you live 10 years beyond the, the amount that you contributed? Yes. Where's right. that money coming from? And again, they don't understand how yep. democratic socialism works. Yes, you pay into it. It's your money. You get the benefits from right. it. Mm -hmm. you know? that's, yes. that's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, because, you know, when you think about it, I don't know about you guys, but when we were growing up, the Russians were coming. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, you know, we, the Russians were coming. We had a, in Spring Valley, that we had a, a, some kind of, it must have been a gas thing blew. So we had this big fire on the yellow. And my mom was like, panicking, the Russians were coming. You know, so that was communism. You know, anything communism or socialism, they were coming. Yeah. They were coming. They, yeah. That was a scary thing. And they can't separate an economic system from a political system. Yeah, right. Yeah. What they do not understand is some of the capitalist economies in the world are some of the most repressive human rights abusers. Saudi Arabia, for example. Yep. Yeah. They're capitalists, but they are an authoritarian monarchy. You know, mm -hmm. uh, you take Vladimir Putin. That. Yep. You know, it's supposed to be a capitalist system, but it's really an authoritarian kleptocracy. And then you take Denmark, or you take Norway, you take Canada, mm -hmm. you know, they are democracies that use a greater degree of socialism in their economy. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't understand that. Yeah. And that's, that's a shame, because we could, you know, we could really use some health care uh, overhaul. And they don't understand it wouldn't hurt them. You know, right. my taxes are going to go. No, your taxes do not have to go up if you restructure the tax system and make these people pay yes. what they should be paying. Right. right. And you wouldn't have the wealth gap just mm -hmm. growing because like Because you yes. know what they say? They say if we tax corporations and we tax the rich, it's not going to trickle down. Well, guess what? It hasn't. It hasn't. <laughs> it hasn't. No. Reaganomics yeah. has not worked. Yeah. 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 What it is and and you see a CEO retire or, or get fired yeah. and get seven million dollars, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, come on. How yep. much money do people need? Yes. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, it's just bizarre. Mm -hmm. It's just not. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and, and this is kind of going a little bit further, but I talked about these two levels of people. You have people that want what. Putin has a bit, and people go, ah, oh, Putin is not a com. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an authoritarian kleptocracy. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about people channeling wealth to themselves. 
controlling resources. In a democracy, it's harder to do that in. In an authoritarian government, it's much easier to do. So whether you believe in it or not, it's to your advantage to keep these people racist, to keep these people stirred up. Because if you can do that, then you can achieve your aims, which is yeah. just the gathering of wealth. Yeah, and that's it's such a shame that that people don't see the the injustice of or see the gap. Yeah, they mm -hmm. see the gap that you you are worth more. Mm -hmm. You know, your your time and your family and, and your life is worth more. I mean, and then you have these. And to bring other people with you, yes. to bring these minorities with you, and yes. say, yes. "I'm worth this," and so are these people. Yeah, yes. every human being. You know. You know every human being. Yeah, one of the most inspiring things to me was to read about the rednecks. And people think of a redneck as being a derogatory term, but during the uh, mine wars with the unions, mm -hmm. the unions, they had their own mercenary armies. Mm -hmm. Down on the Battle of Blair Mountain, when it was, people faced each other, coal miners were bombed from airplanes. And black miners, immigrant miners, poor white miners joined together because of their interests were in common. Yep. You know, and if you could only yes. think about what people in the United States yep. do, you have more in common yes. with each other yes. and differences. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Because just like what you said earlier, people vote against their own their own benefits. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're you know, the rich and those people they don't vote against their own interests. No, they, they vote. know exactly who they vote. <laughs> yep. You know, but the poor folk or middle class folk, you know, they'll get on one issue, like you said, abortion, mm -hmm. and nothing else matters. Yeah. Or, or the racism. Or the yep. racism. Or the or you know xenophobia, where you're against immigrants and yes. the immigrants are going to cause all these problems for you and all that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that was just so inspiring that that whole incident because. The women were put in charge of the logistics, and they were keeping the supplies going to the men that were up at the front or whatever you want to call it. Black men were given command positions. Immigrants were given command positions. And they wore the red bandana around their necks so they could identify each other in the fight. Yeah. And that's where rednecks came from. So it's almost a shame to call people the redneck. <laughs> redneck. Yeah. It really is, yes, you know. I mean, when you think about what those people went through, and stuff. yeah. I, I was just inspired about reading about how they all came together. You know, it was just amazing. They mm -hmm. realized that they were all facing the same thing. And yeah, we don't do that. Don't Somewhere do that. along the line, they learned how to divide and conquer. Yes, they have, yes. and that's <laughs> basically what it is. You know, but you and, know, as we sit here, we've been talking about they, we, and they. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we're part of the divide, too, and I really don't know how you you break that down and start to unify people. Well, I think, I'm, when I say they, hmm. I'm talking about the ones that want to hold on to power. Yeah. I see these other people as being misguided. Yes. Yeah, but we still call them they. Yeah, but, uh, you're right, but I separate the, <laughs> I, se I, I separate the different, you know? Yes, I understand. I can't. I have, in my age, I have deleted many, many, many friends off of Facebook because you, I thought, you do a great job, Dennis. I, I love your posts and you, yeah. you keep trying to educate and I just get tired of stupidity. You know, I just, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you argue with now, now we yeah. know. Now we know what a lot of uh, minorities feel like. Yes, they're tired of fighting mm-hmm. for their life. They're tired of fighting to live. You know, and I think it's up to us to really keep that going. Like they're passing the baton onto us. You know, and well, that's why we we marched. And yeah, we went down to the center of Jackson and we participated in this because. We can help give voice to people that other people won't listen to. Right. Right. Yes. You so, know, and that's that's really important. Sometimes right. that could just be a person driving by and say, "Hey, I am Mr. Reinhardt in, in class, and you know he always made good sense to me, and here mm-hmm. he is out here supporting this. Maybe I ought to take a, another look that, and see exactly what this movement is all about, or um, whatever. that pause so, I mean, you, in you your daily to, life and, and what you, know, you well, think I, I makes you think that. twice. I addressed that because somebody, I didn't even know who they were, they were saying, oh, those people had to come in from outside of Jackson County that were down there in front of the right. courthouse. And I came on and I said, you know what? I looked to the left of me, I looked to the right of me. There were former students, there were former teachers that I right. taught with, people I knew. That's not true. No. Yep. That's not true, you know. There are people out there. Yep. You know, they want to think it's that way, I guess, but... Um, no, I, I, I don't think that African-American people... And it's this horrible, horrible thing. But it's on January 6th. It's not such a horrible, mm-hmm. horrible thing. Well, to me, that was worse. Oh, my gosh. That was worse than no, what it you is. said. There's it's no against our democracy. Comparison. They're, not equi- they're not equivalent in any way. No. They're not similar in any way. No. And it's like I told people... You know, the percentage of violence, if you take in all the Black Lives Matter marches, was very small, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and that's what I get from people around Jackson. Well, they were burning buildings. They were killing, right. and, uh, you know, and stuff. And I said, my daughter took part in a 15,000-person march in Providence, Rhode Island. Peaceful. No problem. You know? And they want to just say, well, they burnt buildings. That's the same as what happened on January 6th. And it's nowhere near no. what no. happened. Well, as you think about Vietnam, you know, there were peaceful protests. Mm-hmm. But then there were, but when you protest so much, then you make no progress. It's not unusual for something like to become, you're not listening. You know, yeah. you take a knee, mm-hmm. but you're not listening. So we're going to do this. I mean, it's, it comes down to, you know, when you think about the worst thing in Vietnam, you think about Kent State. And yet we have a bronze statue of the governor who ordered the yes. the National Guard to go to Kent State right on our courthouse. So, you know, I mean, a building is not, it's not worth a life. If they were going to burn a building, that building could go down. Or you shoot students and... You can't bring them back. You can rebuild a building, but you can't... Yeah. But they bring so, that person they back. So easily turn the narrative. Yes. With, yes. Whether it's Colin Kaepernick on his knee. Yes. He's against veterans. If it's the Black Lives Matter movement, they're terrorists. They're, they're doing these things. Yes. Mm-hmm. Totally missing yes. the, the point. purpose right. of why this is happening. Yes. <laughs> I think when you want to uh, say that the soldiers fought for, for the flag, they fought for the right to kneel for exactly. that. Right. Many, no, many military guys will tell you that. Yes. Too. It's so that you have the right. And nobody in this country is making you stand. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if a student at school wants to sit, it's perfectly their right to sit. And, um, and patriotism is more than just 
standing for the flag and saying the Pledge yes. of Allegiance or the National Anthem. Symbolism versus patriotism. There you go. Yep. Substance, you know, yep. the real yep. substance and patriotism, you yep. know. Yep. Um, yep. They didn't want to see that. Because yep. then you have a leader who's saying, get him off there, fire, fire him, him kick him out. All of that. And he does that for his own self-interest. Exactly. Yes. Whether he believes that or, or not, not right. he realizes yep. that he can stir up he's hit, he's hit a cord with that a, by yep. saying that, you yes. know, by it's, being outrageous, yes. by, you know, saying yeah. it. Over so the top. Why don't, you, why don't you say, why does this person feel like, that should be the reaction, why does this person feel like he has to kneel? Mm-hmm. And yes. start looking at the issue, not the fact that he's being disrespectful to the flag, but why does this person in America, feel like that he has to, and, and let's do something to make them not feel that way. And right. Let's fix this. That's what, mm-hmm. you, know. you know. They'll say, you know, all this person had to do is not run. Yeah. Well, when it doesn't matter if you run or you stay, there's a chance you're going to be killed. Right. What are you going to do? You're right. going to panic. Yeah, and you feel like in that fight or flight yes. moment, that you have a better chance of living if you run. And then if you ask that person, if this is your, your, your child, your son, who ran from the police and got shot in the back, would you think that's okay? It's not an executable offense for someone to run. No. An unarmed person to shoot in the back. Right. It doesn't well, they, no. You know, they did away, they made these changes in the police department when they used to chase criminals through uh, residential areas. And they would cause these big wrecks, and you know. And they, so mm-hmm. then they changed that to say that uh, you don't do a high speed chase unless you're, somebody's in major danger. You know, you're not going to high speed chase somebody's just stolen a car in a residential area. Yeah. Yeah. In there yeah. or something, then you would. But you know, we made those changes, so that should be the same thing. This guy is running. You just pulled him over. Get you him don't know later. What he's Get him yes. You know, yeah. He, he had outstanding child support. He just got out of jail for that, so he ran. Well, you don't shoot somebody in the back for that. But because he's black, it doesn't seem to be a big deal. Again, you know... Why did you run? You know, it goes back to um, how white people that are being arrested are being treated differently. You think of Kyle Rittenhouse, that kid... Yes, yes. ...that showed up at that Black Lives Matter From out of state. From out of state, yes. Yeah, and, you know, why are vigilantes on the periphery of a protest anyways. Right. And when he was walking and waving to the cops and they were letting, and he got off. Yes. He got off. He killed, what, two, three people when he got off. And if he didn't have to be there and yeah. he went out of his way to and do it. And if you it. don't think that there's injustice, just take a look at some of those. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, and, 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 and white privilege. see that. Yeah. I'd hate to, I'd hate to think that's true, but it, that's so it, obvious. Yeah. Did you not... See it. Well, it's like this, uh, what's his name? Chauvin trial? Yes, George. yes. You know, there it is on on videotape. Witnesses. I mean, you can't be more blunt. Yes. And we're still, I mean, I can't guarantee that he'll be found guilty. No. Can you? Then? No. Or no. found guilty and just give a slap on the wrist? You know, if, <clears throat> if you're a teacher and you have a student spit in your face or do something to you and you punched them, you would be fired. Which if I've known teachers a guy that that happened to. Yeah, because yeah. you're supposed to have the training necessary to keep you under control. Mm-hmm. And to and de-escalate the officer it. should have that training too. He mm-hmm. didn't need to, that guy was subdued. He passed it. You know, yeah. so I mean, 
how do you justify that? Well, and they don't understand, too, a lot of people about defunding the police, what defunding yes. the police mean. Right. These policemen would not have the pressure on them when dealing with people that are mentally ill or yes. autistic or whatever, mm-hmm. that you would bring in somebody else that's trained to, you know... Oh, that. absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many times that if a student, um, you know, says that they need help or that they... Um, you know, are struggling with something that we immediately go to the guidance counselor because we know that that is out of the realm of our scope of being able to help them to the best of our ability and to call into whoever. Yeah, so you should have had somebody You know, we have the resources to, you know, navigate, you know, the needs of a student. So do the same thing with that. They've changed the meaning of it whether it's a Black Lives Matter movement, whether it's privilege, they don't understand it. So defund the police means you get rid of all police. And yeah, it's just go wild west, yeah. you know. Yes. I mean, right. that's how they want it portrayed. Right. Yeah. And that's not what it is. No. Hmm. So, yeah. They won't take the time, though, to no. understand what it is. No. That's a yep. problem. No. But, yep. you know, you, when, if you're a family member is a policeman and you see this negative stuff about, that, that doesn't apply to your person. Yeah. I mean, and, and as a policeman, you ought to be saying, we need to do some change in here. Yeah. Something's not working. Yeah. We got to do something. Well, it's like uh, some of these cops are treated the same way that <clears throat> priests that commit yes. stuff. They are just, they can go somewhere else and yeah. get a job and it doesn't follow them what they had done. In See, things like that are easily changed. They are. Yep. You can just say, we're not going to let you go to another police department in another city because right. of what you did in this city. Right. right. You know, and that's just, that's just a simple change. And what's amazing to me is that um, we know there's cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. That somebody's videoing you. And you don't have enough sense to realize, I shouldn't have my uh, a knee on this guy's neck. I'm being taped all over the place. He must have really think this is okay to do this. Not only for like 30 seconds or a couple minutes, but for almost 10 minutes, nine and nine minutes and 26 seconds. And so he must have felt confident enough to think that nobody's going to do anything to me. You know, everybody's taping this and I'm within my rights to do this. Well, there's something wrong there. Well, and it's also wrong. You think about, you know, I talked about white supremacist might be there, but what is driving a person working as a policeman to be so stressed? Yes. What is it about his job that you just lose it? Because you know as a teacher, you can come to a point where you can lose it on yes. somebody, on a kid. I mean, right. all of us have been that close you right. know, to doing that. And can't you make things better for policemen by making some of these changes? Exactly. Right. You know? Yep. Exactly. Yep. I mean, it's not about just con- uh, continuing to bash the police or to punish the police as much as it is, here's something that's not working. You know, yeah. you need some racial training. Mm-hmm. You need some other kind of training to deal. They you should all be having a mental health yes. help. I mean, it's a stressful job to be in. Right. Um, so they should be having some mental health. They should be, you know, some other ways to restrain people. Some of the burden should be taken off of them. Yes. With, we're talking about using mental health. You know, right. Well, yeah, and, and you know, with with teaching, we have guidance counselors, we have outside companies coming in that are um, psychologists and counselors to help with um, students. Why not do the same with the police? Ha- have them have those resources for 
the scenes that they're going to. And why not? And for themselves. And for themselves. Exactly, because you or I, if we had to go through what they went through every day, you don't know how that's going to affect your attitude. Right. You know, Long term. Because I've been in classroom situations where I've got to the point where I think everybody's a punk. You know what I mean? You know, <laughs> yeah. The hammer's back. I'm ready to pull the trigger when right. I go in, you know. Some right. poor, poor kid, you know, that's yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. You know? I, I, I think that's always why it's a good thing that we have extended time off yeah. as teachers. You know, so that you can regroup yourself. And, I mean, because it's, and I'm sure a policeman's the same way. You're on, you're on. The whole time you're at work, you're on. You know, there's no sitting back and having a cup of coffee, or if you need to go to the bathroom in the middle of class, you, you can't just get up and go to the bathroom. I mean, all those things are stressful things, you know, for, for people. So, But if you're in the office and you have to go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. But, I mean, I know that sounds simple, but it's the fact it's that you're on. Thing, yeah. It's the stress of being on with 30 people staring at you. You are in control of those 30 people. you got to keep them entertained and all of that. That's stress. You've got to educate, you've got to entertain, you have to counsel, you have to, um, you're protecting them for those 30, 40, 50 minutes, hour and a half that you have them, that doing that day in and day out for, you know, 180 days or 200 days or however long the school year is with students that... I think if you were a policeman and you're in in an area of color, or you're in an area where you, you probably need some... Training. You need some sensitivity training. Yeah. You know? Um, well, you're taught to come in anyways. You take control of the situation. Yes, yes. And you're taught to be forceful. Right. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't have to be in every situation. No, exactly. It and That's and it's like, this man, man is mentally ill, obviously. He's here on the sidewalk. Right. You know, I don't have to be forceful with him. No. What I have to do is have somebody who knows how to handle him. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Yes. Exactly because it. what's a mentally ill person going to do if you're forceful with them? Yep. But I be bet. be defensive. You right. know yeah. they're going to. You know they don't understand what's going well, on. Well, it's kind of like when I was thinking about when I was teaching. If you had a student, a high school student, who was being disruptive or disrespectful or whatever, to call them out in front of their peers mm-hmm. is like then, then it escalates. Yeah, and that's so over then because that. they have to then defend themselves. Yeah. In front of them, but if you take them out in the hallway or just to the side. That you have a better chance of getting them to comply or whatever, not to be so hostile. So the same thing with, you know, a mentally ill person. I mean, I don't know that you should go up and start <laughs> treating them as you would any other person. That's not going to work. No. You know, yeah. that you should know that. You know, and add to what we talked about, you've seen other people shot. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you don't understand, you know, this could possibly happen to me. Yes. You're going to be a little reluctant to comply with everything. You, know? yep. you don't know. I, I might be gave, give up and they kill me anyway. Right. I know. Yep. You know, so. Yeah, I can think that's why a lot of black people are afraid of being poor over. Yeah, I have a friend that's, uh, he, he's biracial, but he used to carry, he's got a concealed carry permit, but he said, I won't carry that gun on me anymore. Yeah, because they'll say you, you did something. Yeah, because I'm, I'm afraid of being killed. Right. What he said, I won't do it. You know, he lives inside of county, you know, right. but he's afraid of enforcement. He said, I don't want the gun in the car with me. I don't want the gun on me because I'm afraid I might be killed. And see, you know, yep. as uh, a person of color, if you say to the policeman, I'm afraid, I don't want to get out of the car, mm-hmm. 
you know, well, what can I do to make you feel more comfortable, whatever it is, mm -hmm. whatever, I don't know what the topic would be. But I've always told my grandchildren and my daughters, if you get pulled over at night, and you're out somewhere, and they got this, I said, then you roll the window down, if you're out and nobody around, you roll the window down a little bit, and you say, I'm afraid to get out, I'm afraid to roll my window down, will you follow me to the next lighted area. area? If it's a true policeman, they should do that. You know, because you don't know, you see that all the time. People get pulled over, they think it's the police, it's not the police. You know, I'd like to think that if, if one of them said that to a police officer, I'm afraid to get out, you know, will you follow me to the next lighted area, that they would do that. But again, yeah. they're white. They're white. Exactly. And that cop would be more likely to allow them to do yes. that than a black person. And that's, yeah. that's privilege. That's privilege. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's exactly yeah. privilege. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I can't tell you how many times the, in college, even at Rio Grande, little little small Rio Grande College, that all of us girls in the sorority that I was in, that whenever one would go back from a party to their dorms, we would make sure that there was at least two or three of us to take them back because we were afraid something would happen mm -hmm. at night. And we'd always make sure that whoever went, that there would be another person with them to come back, so that person wouldn't get wouldn't be left alone. But I like you know, to think a police officer um, understand if you're black and you say I don't want to get out. Mm -hmm. You know, right. I'll sit right here. Or can you get other people around? Get a camera or something? I'm afraid. Then, they, then it, and es they should it understand. It escalates now. Yes. Right. And that shouldn't be. No. no. There should be no difference in treatment. You know, and that yeah. should be policy of the police department. You know. Yes. Those are the yeah. changes I think that people would like to see. That's part of the defunding the police yes. that they want to see happen. Yeah. Is and it to, doesn't show that you're against policemen. No, you not, not at all. Policemen, right. You know? No, I'm scared. It makes it a better policing force. It's right. less pressure for them, you know. Right. Well, like yep. chasing somebody that stole a car through a residential neighborhood. I mean, that car can be replaced. That kid on the bicycle can't. Cannot. Yeah. Uh, so there's changes that can be made in the police department. doesn't mean that you don't like the police. I love the police. I hope that if I needed something, I'd call the police. But yeah. Uh, but I don't think you should put your knee on somebody's neck until they're dead, no matter what they've done. Yep. Or you let somebody that commits a mass shooting put his hands That's out. That's amazing. That is, and and that, one, that one guy said, oh, he had a bad day, the guy that killed the Asian yeah. woman. Yeah. I mean, that's bizarre. He yeah. had a bad day. He may have had a bad day. Right. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of bad days, but I don't go. <laughs> but I'm not shooting yeah, anybody. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? What are you, what do you guys hope for my generation and the generations that are coming up that I, we yeah. that we can ac accomplish? I think uh, you know, there's going to be young people and women that are going to drive the change. There's not going to be white men. I'm telling you, yeah. there's not enough white men that support some of the things that uh, you know need to be done. And I think you need to become your generation needs to become more involved. Just like we talked about complacency, you can't be complacent anymore. If you want to keep the democratic republic, if you want to you know change some of the things that are not just, that your generation is going to have to. You know, activism, you know, um, voting, 
get yeah. out the boat, uh, actually running for office. You know, I've talked about this before. We cannot get good people to run for political office. Right. So what we're left with are people that are just there for their own self-interest. Right. Yep. You know, and um, I'd like to see younger people go into, you know, politics. There was a kid I was helping in track. Mm -hmm. He was going to college. I thought he was going to get involved with it, and I wish he would have. But then he decided not to because people see what goes on there, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we need better candidates. We, do. we need better candidates at the state level. Indivisible was talking about that. You know, at our state level, we need better ones. And I, I think, like Dennis said, we need to not, your generation, Jordan's generation, not to become complacent. Can't be like us. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you guys have passed the baton on to us that it is our job to be more active. You're right. I mean, you just you have to be. Otherwise, you see what happens when people get complacent. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what happened. I think people. I do too. And, and we've got to we've got to protect voting rights. Absolutely. I mean that is that is crucial. It is the things that are going on in some of the states, um, you know, that they're doing. That we have to protect minority rights because white people are not going to be the majority. Mm -mm. No, I bet you. Not. You know, and to exclude large numbers of American citizens and to make it harder, we should want to expand voting. Yes. Not right. limit it. Right. Not in a democracy. Well, you that's know? where you're talking about people wanting to. Um, you know, keep the status quo. They don't want any kind of change. They're afraid or whatever it is. And mm -hmm. that's that they want to keep it just like it is, but they know it's going to change. And this is the only Nation. way to keep it from changing. Scare, yeah. It's yeah. scare scared. you into not voting. Yeah, you guys are just going to have to be a lot more involved. Yeah. And not get, you know, lured into the thoughts that everything's going to take care of itself. Right. Because... Okay. We came very close January 6th. We did. Mm -hmm. Mary, Mary Jean talks about that, how she'll watch it again. Yes. And we came very close to our democracy being overturned. Yes. And if that would have happened, there would have never been another legitimate election in the United right. States again. Right. Because they do that in the Russian Federation. They have the election, but the elections are already predetermined. Right. Yeah. Well, it's and, democracy in name only. And that was, yeah. the, the, the ground was was fertilized already with the idea that it was going to be unfair. As soon as, you know, right. you're not going to win, it's going to be unfair, mm -hmm. it's going to be unfair. Because the he knew he was, wasn't going to win. Yes, the seed was planted. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. You know, and, you know, I said, we've had uh, three elections for 200 years, right? Or whatever. And, and all of a sudden now, it's yeah. not, mm -hmm. not okay. Yeah. I mean, we've always had voter fraud. It, West Virginia and the backyard. And it wasn't local. to any great extent. No, no. But you would see somebody get whatever, not like what this yeah. was going to have to be. So It, it uh, is. It's amazing you have even Republican Secretary of the State yeah. saying the election was legitimate. There's no discrepancies here. Right. And again, it goes back to whether they believe it or not, mm -hmm. it helps them yes. to perpetuate the big lie. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. All right, on that note, thank you for coming. Thank you for this wonderful over hour long conversation of civil rights and what we can do in the future and what we're doing now. And um, thank you, Dennis. Thank you, Mary Jean. Thank you, Diane, aka mom. 
And uh, any last like tidbits of advice for Stay what's going to stay the yeah. course? Yeah, Thanks for it, it, it's worth it. I mean, and you just can't give up. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Molly. Thank you. Well, I'm glad that you guys were here. I appreciate it. No, I didn't think I could talk that long. No, none of us could. <laughs> <laughs>